today we're going to continue with the gospel of John. Um, I'm really enjoying the gospel of John. It's, we're, we're week 20. Come on, somebody. Week 20 on chapter 8. Look at the person next to you and say, it's going to be a while before we finish. <laughs> but I want you to understand something, that, that you are in a discipleship type of church. This isn't a church that's going to, uh, we're, we're not a church that's going to preach a lot of feel-good things and try to just, like our focus is not just to make you feel better. Our focus is to give you life and to connect you with Jesus so that he, you can learn to walk with him. It's a discipleship type of thing. So it's going to feel a little bit different than some other churches. And uh, I'm not ashamed of that. And so I'm glad to be um, the pastor of this church. Today, the title of my message is Why We Struggle to Believe. Why We Struggle to Believe. How many of you know some of us struggle at times to believe Jesus? Maybe not initially. Maybe you believed him for salvation. But since then, you've had some struggles to believe Jesus maybe circumstantially, maybe in relationship maybe financially, maybe with your health. How many of you would agree with me this morning that sometimes you've struggled to believe Jesus? How many of you would be honest enough today? Okay, that's about 50% of the church is honest. We're getting better, getting better by the week. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul was an amazing guy, uh, totally amazing. He, he wasn't much compared to Jesus, but he was a really amazing guy. He didn't spend any physical time with Jesus like the disciples did, but he knew Jesus very well. When you study the scriptures, most of the New Testament was written by Paul. Paul, when you read his writings, Paul knew Jesus. Like He knew Jesus intimately. He had intimate experiential knowledge of Jesus. It's the kind of experiential knowledge. It's the kind of knowledge that can only come through the vehicle of intimate experiences. Like, this is a vehicle. You can study this book and you can have a knowledge of God, an intellectual knowledge of God. But there's another level that's, that it talks about in 1 John 5 where, where Jesus, God gave us the right to know Jesus and to have intimate experiences with him. So there's an intimate experiential knowledge of Jesus that we've been given the right to. If I can make it extremely simple, it's the kind of knowledge you walk into the marketplace, you walk into your work, you walk into your house, and you, you experience, it, it comes this way. When you do what the word says to do, you gain an experience you wouldn't have gained if you didn't do what the word said to do. Okay, is that simple enough? Like when I do what this says to do, not, do, not only am I obedient to God, but I gain an experience with Jesus, that leads me to believe him more. So we're struggling at times to believe Jesus in certain areas. I wonder sometimes how Paul knew Jesus so well, yet he didn't spend the time with Jesus like Peter did. If I could just compare Paul and Peter, two of my favorites, like Paul didn't get the daily grind with Jesus. Like he didn't get to cook a meal with Jesus. And Paul didn't sit till late nights outside the tent by the fire talking with Paul didn't get that, but Peter did. But how did Paul, who didn't get to sit physically with Jesus, believe Jesus so well? That's what I hope to teach you today. Anybody want to know what I gotta say? 
<laughs> Could it be that Paul knew Jesus so well because Paul got really well at following Jesus? Let me bring you back to a verse from last week in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus is speaking. Jesus spoke to the people once more, and he said this. He said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. That's a big verse. Like, that's a heavy-duty verse. Like, we could literally pitch a tent right now and sit on that one verse because Jesus said something that's phenomenal. He said, he said to the people, if you're tired of living in darkness, if you're tired of struggling with darkness, if you're tired of darkness plaguing you, you can come out. Your way out is to follow me, the light that leads to life. Jesus is saying, if you're tired of living here in darkness, Follow me, I'll lead you away from darkness into life. Your greatest witness on the planet is the life of Jesus that flows out of you. When the life of Jesus flows out of you, people can't deny what they experienced through you. Ah, in fact, they won't even listen to your preaching today, but they'll show enough listen to your actions. They'll listen to your life. They'll pay attention to your attitude. They'll watch you walk through some struggles. They'll see the boss mishandle you and then watch how you respond. They're reading the Bible, baby. They're just not grabbing the book. They're seeing the life come through you. So Jesus uses a very small word in this verse to make a big point. You ready for it? It's this word, if, I, F. I'm a great speller. If, if is conditional. Let's, let's camp out on if for a minute. Jesus is inviting them and he's inviting us to follow him and he's putting a promise with it, but it's conditional because he put an if in it. He said, if you, if you will follow me, we will walk away from darkness and we will walk into life. That's a promise that he's giving to us if, pay attention to me, if we follow him. Too many of us have been dry docked on if. You ran your boat up on the sandbar and you've been stuck on if too long. I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I can. Some of you are believing the lie. I don't know if he wants me to. How stupid is that? He hung on a cross to tell you that he wants you to. He gave his life to tell you that he wants you to. He filled you with his spirit to show you that he wants you to. In fact, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you to help you with the desires that you don't always naturally have. 
That's how much he wants you to. So can we just squash that lie today? God wants you because Jesus wants you to follow him, period. So let's get that one out the way. Now let's deal with your desire. Let's deal with your willingness. If, if, if I follow Jesus, I get to leave this behind that I don't really like, and I get to get life, which really sounds good. I'm leaving a bad experience, a bad season. I'm leaving some bad juju. Come on, somebody. Like I'm leaving the junk behind. I'm moving uptown. I'm not living downtown anymore. I'm going where there's life. I'm tired of living in dead land. I'm going to life land. But it's based on if you will follow him. If. So it's not a Jesus problem. It's not a Holy Ghost problem. It's not even the world's problem. It's a me problem. I'm stuck on if, if I will follow him. Here's a good question to write down. Why am I struggling to follow Jesus? Let me tell you something. Write that question down. Why am I struggling to follow Jesus If you'll get that answer, you'll gain some freedom like you've never known before. If you will get that one answer, why am I struggling to follow Jesus? If you can get that answer, you'll gain some freedom you've never experienced before. John 8 verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him. These are the ones who believed in him. That would be us. You are truly... My disciples, if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's another big word, if. He uses if again. (laughs) So if you follow me, you can leave darkness behind, and you can move into the land of life. If you stick to my teachings, if you remain faithful to my teachings, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I appreciate counseling. I appreciate Christian counseling. I appreciate folks that will sit down with you and unpack your stuff and, and all the spiritual things that come with that. I appreciate all of that. But listen to me. That's not in this scripture. You will know what sets you free. The truth sets you free. A good counselor will only help you discover the truth. Amen? If. But you have to remain faithful to his teachings to discover the truth that will set you free. You see, there's not just one truth that will set you free. There are many truths that will set you free. 
Jesus is always speaking truth. And the whole context, the whole um, um, the whole counsel of his teachings to us will set us free because it's all truth. I've been a Christian for, since I was 12. I don't somebody doing the math. That's 30 years, I guess. 30 years? Roughly 30 years. I've been a Christian for roughly 30 years. I'm still discovering freedom. Still today, after 30 years, the more faithful I remain to this teaching, to his teaching, the more truth I gain, the more freedom I get to experience. Are you hearing me? It's not a once and done. Some of you sang Kumbaya one time, and you ain't sang since. <laughs> Some of you have this expectation, I gave my life to Jesus, my name's in the book, I'm a good deal till I get to heaven, just as soon live like I want to live, do what I want to do, be who I want to be, it's all about me. Myself and I. And yet you're walking bound. You're still living in the land somewhat of darkness and you're, you're struggling as a believer to even hang on in these last days. Because you're struggling to believe Jesus in the last days. And what's crazy is that Jesus warned us that in the last days, many will come and deceive. You better be on guard. You better be solid. You better be walking with me when we get into the last days. I'm just telling you because there's a lot of deception around. And too many of us in this building today are falling for the deception of the enemy. Simply because we have an issue with the if. If I remain faithful to his teachings. Chapter 8 is a story of, of a great debate about this particular truth we're talking about today. The religious leaders are trying to figure out who Jesus is. They've seen the signs, the miracles, the wonders. They've heard his teachings. He's offended most of them. On the one hand, they can't deny what they've seen, like the guy at the pool of Bethesda. They can't even deny that, though they tried to kill him because of that and all the other miracles, signs and wonders. They, they see on the one side, they go, God, I mean, there's something about this guy, but we don't know who he is. They were wrestling to understand who Jesus is. And so it was chapter 8 a debate. It's a banging their heads together debate. It gets so intense, they start calling each other names. Did you know Jesus was a name caller? But he was accurate. Like we just said stupid stuff to hurt people's feelings. Jesus said the truth. <laughs> they called Jesus the devil. You the devil. Jesus said, no, your daddy's the devil. And you the devil's kid. <laughs> This thing got intense because Jesus is trying to simply help them understand who he is. I'm the light that leads to life. If you follow me, you can leave darkness behind. If you remain in my teachings, you can discover freedom. I'm trying to tell you who I am, but they couldn't get it. They couldn't get it because they weren't willing to follow him.
why can it be so hard to believe sometimes? Is that a good question? Why is it hard to believe sometimes? I, I believe this is true for every one of us, that we all have an area or, 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 or a, a something in our lives that when the enemy pushes on that or the world comes at that, like it's a weak spot for us. Like I can trust Jesus with my finances. I can trust Jesus with my car. I can trust Jesus with a broke down washing machine. Come on, somebody. But like you start messing with this, ah. And if you're not careful, you'll see a Christian who always seems to be very strong all of a sudden struggling over something that to you seems silly, but to them is a real deal. Why? Why do we struggle in some areas worse than we struggle in other areas to believe Jesus? It's a question you got to get an answer to. What is the struggle? I believe most of us in this room know without a doubt that we're not following Jesus like we should. Let's just throw the elephant in the middle of the room. I know you, and I know me. Why do we struggle? Can I just say it plain? We all struggle. Every single one of us struggles to believe Jesus in different places of our life. Some places I'm strong, some places I'm not. It's interesting, isn't it? So if we know that we're struggling, why do we try to live in denial? Why do we try to act like it don't exist? Why are we spending so much time, energy, and effort trying to fake it till we make it? Why don't we just call the pink elephant a pink elephant? Hey, there's an elephant right here. Hey, I'm struggling. Why don't we do that? Write this down. You won't overcome what you don't identify. That's only half of it. You won't overcome what you don't identify. You won't identify what you refuse to acknowledge. So if I won't even acknowledge that there's weaknesses in my life, if I won't even acknowledge that I'm struggling in some areas, then I'm not going to identify anything. I'm just going to stay where I'm at. But if I will acknowledge my weakness, if I will acknowledge my struggle, then I can begin to identify why I'm struggling so then I can overcome what's been identified. A blind person never made a good hurdler in track because he couldn't see the hurdles. You won't overcome what you don't identify, and you won't identify what you refuse to acknowledge. So if you refuse to acknowledge that you're struggling to follow Jesus, there's no need to identify anything. 
Can I tell you kindly, you've gotten used to living with the struggle. But for some crazy reason, you come to this church. There's a bald-headed preacher who loves you enough to step on your feelings and give you some truth that will set you free. Hi, my name's Pastor Jamie. I struggle to believe Jesus in some areas of my life. I'm not proud of it, but I'm working on it. I'm acknowledging it so that we can identify it, so that we can overcome it in the name of Jesus. Right? Because I refuse to live in darkness. I refuse to live in denial. I refuse to live in a pretend world. I just want to be real. I'm real. I want to live real. I want to say real things. So let me give you ten things to know if you're following Jesus. I'm going to give you a lot of stuff to write down today. (laughs) I was giggling last night when I was going over my message because if y'all would have known me in high school... In fact, if my high school teachers would see my sermon today, they would all be flipped out because I was not that guy. I didn't come up with points, and I didn't fill in the blanks and think about things. And they would be like, they would all give their life to Jesus because they'd know how powerful Jesus is. <laughs> come on, somebody. <laughs> they would also ask him to work on my English. <laughs> so how do I know If I'm following Jesus, that's a great question, right? How do I know if I'm following Jesus? Would you say that's a great question? Okay, five of you. How do I know if I'm following Jesus? Number one, if your life is becoming brighter. If your life is becoming brighter. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that this coming Thanksgiving, when you get around those people you love so much, Are you brighter this year than you were last year? Come on, somebody. Are you kinder this year than you were last year? Are you more full of love this year than you were last year? Are you more patient with uncle so-and-so than you were last year? Has my life become brighter? Number two, if there is growing distance from the old darkness of your past... Are you leaving darkness behind? You're going to have to be honest with yourself. If you really want to know if you're following Jesus, you're going to have to answer these questions. If there's, a, if there's a growing distance from the old darkness of my past, that's an indication that I'm following Jesus because like the scripture says, I'm leaving darkness behind. Come on, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to leave some darkness behind. Number three, if freedom is an ongoing process. Freedom happens in a freedom group. Freedom happens outside of a freedom group. Freedom happens your whole life. Can I get a better amen? Amen. Freedom comes as you follow Jesus. The better you follow, the more you become free. If freedom is an ongoing process, number four, if faith in Jesus is growing, is your faith growing or not? These are simple, basic questions. 
that if you'll just spend the time to acknowledge the truth about them in your own life, you can gain some ground that you hadn't gained in years. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Is your faith growing or not? If it's not growing, don't be shame. My faith's not growing, Lord. I need help with my faith. He goes, oh, it's about time you acknowledge that. Let me help you understand why. Could be because you got comfortable at this level of faith. Could be because you got what you wanted. Could be because you're scared to go further. It could be that you don't know your faith is supposed to grow. Look at me. Your faith is supposed to grow. <laughs> How do I grow my faith, Pastor? Ask the Lord about what he wants to do next. Just ask that simple question. What's next, Lord? Oh, really? Really? You sure you want to know? <laughs> Number five, if boldness and courage are increasing. I can't help but believe the, the better you follow Jesus, the more bold and courageous you become. It's kind of it's the difference between you used to walk into work and you used to hear people say stupid death words to, to themselves like, I'm an idiot. And you'd be like, well, you know, <laughs> probably are. <laughs> And you just kind of let it go on by, and boldness becomes, hey, baby, don't say that about yourself. You're not an idiot. God, don't make idiots. Boldness and courage. Boldness will look like telling somebody about Jesus. Boldness will be putting some of your hands on somebody and praying for them in the marketplace. You'll grab the lady, if there is one, at the cash register at Walmart, and you'll pray for her. Unless you're in self-checkout, then you <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. If you walk up behind somebody checking out their groceries, you might get hit. I'm just saying. But, but boldness, <laughs> at least you get hit for being bold. Number six, is there, is there better fruit being produced in your life? Are you the same old mean person you've always been? Are you still struggling, struggling with impatience like you've always done? Is your tone getting softer? Is your words getting more life-giving and less? <laughs> Number seven, I love this one. You know you're following Jesus if, you, if you're getting acquainted with victories. <laughs> like if you start getting some victories in your life and you go, oh, wait a minute. That feels better than defeat. I'm going to keep on getting me some victories. I'm tired of living in defeat land. I want to get me some more victory land. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're getting used to living in victory. You start to expect victory. Instead of fearing defeat, you're expecting victory. That's how you know if you're following Jesus. When you walk into a room and you're ready to see something break for the name of Jesus. You're getting used to victories. Oh God, help us to get used to victories. Help us to get hungry for some victories. May we shut up about potential defeats and start speaking life into the victories. Oh, Jesus, I want to get acquainted with victories. 
I want to see victories in my kids. I want to see victory in my finance. Come on, somebody. I want to see victory in my health. I want to see victory in my community. You know what was amazing about Tim Tebow? He wasn't the best athlete on the field. He just knew how to win. That's what made him so incredible. Just wherever he went, he won. Number eight. If humility is increasing and pride is dying. <laughs> and, and let me just clarify this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Humility is when you start considering other people, how they may feel, what they may be going through, how this may help them or how this may hurt them. Humility shows up in parenting. If I blow my top right now, how is that going to affect my children? Oh, don't go there, Pastor Jamie. You were doing so good. Don't mess with my kids today. Number nine, if your focus changes to others instead of only yourself. Because you see, when you follow Jesus, Jesus is always looking for others. You're walking with him, you're in a good spot. He's going to take care of you. He's going to walk with you. He's going to be with you. You're in relationship with him now. But as you're in relationship with him, you're going to sooner or later fall in love with what he's in love with. He's in love with those that don't know him yet. So eventually, sooner than later, you're going to have to start loving others more than you love yourself. That might be scriptural. I'm just, I'm just thinking it might be scriptural. I don't know. But that's number nine. If your focus changes to others instead of only yourself, if all you ever talk about yourself, that might be why your friends don't, don't answer the phone anymore. I'm just saying. <clears throat> number ten, if the Lord is trusting you with more. How do you know if you're following Jesus, is the Lord giving you more to do? I've heard people say, good, well-meaning Christians, why the Lord giving me all this? Do you want me to give you the truth or not? Because you messed up and was faithful with the little things, now he's trusting you with more. Get you some of that. When you mess up and do what the word says, the word does what it says. Is he trusting you with more? Is he calling you out of your uncomfortable or your comfortable place? Most of us struggle to believe because we struggle to follow. So let's talk about that for a second. I used to always think that <clears throat> following Jesus was simple. You just follow him. You just, it's what you do, right? We all played follow the leader in school, right? Raise your hand if you play follow the leader. Let's, let's check the age of the church. Okay? We're older. 
but when you, when you think about it and you actually process through it, following Jesus is actually complicated. I don't mean complicated as in difficult. I mean complicated with this definition, that complicated is having many parts or aspects that are usually interrelated. Following Jesus is complicated, not difficult. It's complicated because there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of different ways we follow Jesus. It's not just one thing or one way. There's a lot of different aspects to following Jesus. So when you follow Jesus, technically speaking, it is complicated. It's not as simple as I always thought it was. I was discipled to believe that following Jesus was reading my Bible, praying, and listening to worship music. That's incomplete. It's good, but it's incomplete. Because there's this issue called obedience. <laughs> there's an issue called surrender. Somewhere or another, i got to die. It's complicated. It requires dying to ourselves, surrendering ourselves daily. But write this down. Following Jesus begins with a willingness to go wherever he goes, go whenever he goes, and do whatever he wants to do. So following Jesus begins with a willingness to go wherever he goes, Go whenever he goes and to do whatever he wants to do. Notice it's to do what he wants to do. <laughs> but I don't want to do that. I don't like that. It makes me uncomfortable. You mean I got to talk to people? I'm an introvert. Okay, you're an introvert. Go talk to one person. And when that one gets saved, go talk to another single person. You can go one at a time. Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14. We getting something yet? Luke 14 verse 25. There was a large crowd following Jesus. He turned around. And he said to them, hey, if you want to be my disciple, listen to these words carefully. If you want to be my disciple, a disciple is a follower of Christ. It's a disciplined follower of Christ. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Whoa. Whoa. That sounds like Jesus just contradicted himself. I thought we were supposed to love others. You're right. We are supposed to love others. But he's making a point. If you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. What is he saying? I got to hate myself? I already do that. So I guess I'm following Jesus. I use filters on social media, so like I don't even like the way I naturally look. 
Did I say that? That came out. I'm not sorry. <laughs> oh, Lee, that was hard. I am sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That was mean. Even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. What is he saying? Do I have to hate my mom and dad? Do I have to hate my kids? Of course not. He's using an extreme word to prove an extreme point that I have to be before everything else, including you. That you're going to have to listen to me above everyone else, including you. It's a positional thing. Like I'm going to have to be the one you love and the others is going to have to almost look like hate because you don't listen to them anymore because you're listening to me. You're not following them anymore because you're following me. It's going to look extreme. It's because he expects it to be an extreme disconnect from the world. Now, we don't abandon our kids. We don't abandon our parents. The Bible says otherwise. We don't do that. We don't, we don't defecate or, or, what's that? A, wrong word. We do do that. Just in case anybody was confused. Deprecate. We don't self-deprecate. I guarantee y'all remember that point. You're welcome. You're welcome. Y'all more embarrassed than I am. But I'm not going to tear myself down. I'm just not going to listen to me anymore. I'm not going to follow me anymore. Because me keeps getting me in trouble. Me keeps me on this vicious cycle. The only way I'll ever experience change is when I follow someone else other than me. So Jesus used some extreme words because he knows it's an extreme time where we're tempted to love other things beyond him. Let's be honest. We love ourselves more than we love Jesus most of the time. Most of our struggles are because we love ourselves too much. Most of the chaos in relationships is because we love ourselves too much. Don't you think Jesus could have been really upset with people? I mean, like if anybody had the opportunity and the right to be mad at people and dislike people, wouldn't you say it was Jesus? Falsely accused, replaced with a real criminal, gone to the cross, beaten, scarred, marred, all those other things, hung on a cross, ridiculed the whole time, thrown in a cave after he died. Good thing he wasn't following himself. Good thing he didn't love his own life so much that he wasn't willing to lay it down for others. 
Verse 27, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Here we go, verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person that started that building and couldn't afford to finish. I wonder how many demons are laughing at some of these believers today. I wonder how many demons are laughing at some of the people who call themselves Christians today. Because they didn't consider laying their life down to follow after Jesus, yet they made a decision to give their life to him, but then all of a sudden they stopped. They didn't complete the process. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. This is the kind of preaching that fills up churches. Let me tell you something. Oh, oh yeah. Welcome, all of our guests. No, I'm to... That's the kind of scripture that sets a man free. Do you know freedom from yourself is one of the greatest freedoms you'll ever experience? Jesus turned around to this large crowd that was following him, and he thinned the crowd, not intentionally, but he thinned them with truth. If you're going to follow me, listen to me, it's going to cost you everything. Whew, sure got quiet. He's asking the question today, have you counted the cost yet? It's like he's looking at each and every one of us today and he's saying, have you counted the cost? Have you figured out, did you grab a piece of scrap paper and a pencil and did you start to calculate whatever you can calculate to figure out what it's going to cost you to follow Jesus? Have you calculated, have you counted the cost yet? I got scratch papers all over my house. My wife hates it. I dream on scratch papers. I just grab whatever paper's in front of me and I start writing down numbers. If I want to increase my chicken egg business, I write down numbers. I just start writing, I'm going to build this, I'm going to build that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to increase the price, we'll sell them here, blah, blah, blah. and then I go, hey, can you find that piece of paper for me? <laughs> and somehow or another, the phone disconnects and, you know, When we, went to, when we went to remodel the building, you can, you can ask Lisa. I, I've got scratch papers all over the office. And I would, I would call an electrician. Hey, man, can you come by and give me the cost on this? I called the plumber. Hey, you know, I want to put some bathrooms out here. Tell me how much that's going to cost. 
I had to calculate, take a measurement and start a, 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 a measuring tape and start measuring walls. I brought the Sherwin-Williams lady over here, ran her ragged. I'm like, I want to know how much pain it's going to cost me. I wasn't that mean, but I, in my heart I was like, I want to know how much it's going to cost me because every time I go to paint something, I got to keep running back to the store and buy more paint. So you come calculate how much it's going to cost and how much pain I need. So when I ain't got enough, it's on you. It's just, it was, just happened at this project. Just, but we calculated how much the floors would cost, and we counted the cost, and we came up with a total, and we stood before you and said, hey, this is what it's going to take to remodel this building. And most of you said, okay, pastor, we'll give. We'll pray, we'll ask God, and we'll give. And you've given. And because you've given, we're finishing the project, right? So we counted what it was going to cost on the front side, and we didn't say, hey, it's a good idea to remodel the building. Sure, bro. Like, let's tear it up this weekend. Okay. Call as many people as you can. Let's rip it apart. And ain't got no money to put it back together. Great. Let's go follow Jesus. Great. I gave my life to Jesus. Great. But are you willing and ready to continue? Or did you get into it and go, oh, shoot. I didn't know it was going to cost me all this. And now you're caught in this funky place of trying to look enough like a Christian to get to heaven. But stay worldly enough to be cool. And it's a weird place with only little pockets of life. You ever wonder why you keep going through the same old stuff? You ever wonder why you're facing the same old problems? Could it be because you're not following? It's going to cost you everything. Now, if I ended the message right there, that'd be really discouraging. Wouldn't you agree? Like, we'd walk out of here on the down, and everybody'd be like, that's it, man. Like, oh. Whew. I think them feel good churches is a whole lot better. At least I leave happy. I mean, golly. Pastor done beat us down, left us bleeding, and sent us home. Golly. No band aids, no tata, no nothing. Like, wow. Golly, man. What's Pastor Jamie going through something? Is he okay? Is he mad at us? Nope, I'm not mad at all. I've never been more hopeful about you. So let me show you what happens when you actually count the cost and you decide to follow Jesus anyway. This is from my own experience. I left a home in Franklin, a brand new house two acres of land or an acre of land, I can't remember how much of land we had, in my own family's neighborhood that we made, working for my best friend's dad's company at the time, my best friend owns the company, I'd be in like Flynn making way more money than I'm making now. The Lord said, go find Bubba, ask him what he needs and help him, so we put our house up for sale, talked to Bubba first, <laughs> but then put our house up for sale, and two weeks later, we packed up all of our bags and we moved to Jennings and 
lived eight months with kinfolk. It was cool for eight minutes. Just come on, you know how it is. When people move into your house, they get on your nerves. Found a house in Jennings, moved to Jennings. God said, start a business. Quit my job and started a company. God grew the company, and at the same time, I had a call for ministry. And I'm like, Lord, when am I going to get a chance to, to pastor? When am I going to get a chance to preach? And all of a sudden, got a, an opportunity to come to Eunice. Cheryl and I did. And so we sold our house in Jennings, moved to Crowley because it was in between because I was still running the business and, <laughs> and leading the church at the same time. And life got really, really thin. We had 50 employees, and we had 120 people in the church, and my phone didn't know how to shut up. The Lord said, quit your business. Go full time. I'm like, man, following you is going to cost me everything. Yep, going to cost you everything. Can I tell you something? All along the way, from Franklin to Eunice, that whole journey, I could probably write you a list, two notebook pages full of all the things I thought I would lose forever and never get again. I thought I would live a life of poverty. I thought I'd have to be the lowly little pastor living in a broke down house right outside the church. I thought I'd have to be the guy who just shows up at the hospital all the time and he's there for the beck and call of the church and whenever people need him or expect him to be somewhere, he's got to go. Expected I would lose relationships and I almost did. I had a fear of losing a lot of things. Status. All we've done is gained. All we've done is gained. What I thought I was going to lose, I gained in return. But it wasn't because I held on to it. It's because I let go of it. If you hold the seed in your hand, it never grows. But if you throw it in the ground and it dies, it begins to grow and produce a harvest. Whatever it is that's keeping you from selling out to Jesus, would you just throw it on the ground and let it die and produce a harvest in your life? I promise you, following Jesus is better than following yourself. He's not left me hanging. I'm not living in the broke down house outside the church building. I'm not, I don't even care about my status anymore. I'm like, oh, Lord, that should have died a long time ago. I give a rip what people think about me. <laughs> As that pastor, he don't, <laughs> the people at the Quirk's funeral home, they know me. <laughs> I'm the pastor that don't wear a suit. <laughs> And they make comments like I should wear a suit. I'm like, bro, I ain't wearing a suit. <laughs> like, y'all tripping. We just burying somebody. I'm joking. That's a bad joke, bad joke, bad joke. 
I've got closer friends than I've ever had. I got people that will go to war with me right now. I got about seven or eight guys in my life that I can call right now. And they'll drop everything to be there. Everything I thought I was losing, God gave me more. And the more I walk with him, the more boldness begins to grow. The more courage begins to grow. I left here a couple Sundays ago and God said, that thing you want to do called Manhood University, what if you did it for the city? I was like, that's a good idea. He said, yeah, I know. If you get your head out your own church building, I'm trying to give you a city. Every lie the enemy told me about what I was going to lose when I calculated the cost of following Jesus was a lie. It was a lie. When you follow him, like John 8, 12 says, you walk out of darkness and you walk into life. So what you're afraid of losing is nothing compared to what you're getting ready to gain. Come on, somebody. It may sound depressing that you're going to lose what you got like you got to lose your own life. Listen to me. Lose it. Look at me, every one of you. You need to lose it. But I know some of you, I need to clarify. <laughs> you need to lose it, not on other people. <laughs> you need to lose it for Jesus. Come on. Some, some of y'all are like, oh, it's about time. <laughs> so in order to continue believing, you must continue to follow. Why would Jesus in Luke chapter 14 turn around to a large crowd? Didn't he want a large crowd following him? Why would he turn around to a large crowd and give them such a hard lesson? Have you ever thought about that? Like Jesus, like, bro, like you got a large crowd following, like keep doing what you're doing, you know what I'm saying? Like it's working. Like they're still coming, it's working. Have you ever thought that maybe he was clarifying the expectations so that he could set them up for the best experience possible? Because if you were born again into a salvation that says you'll no longer have problems, you were lied to, and the expectations weren't clarified, and now you're having a bad experience, and you're mad at Jesus when it wasn't him, it was man? Come on. He's telling him, listen, it's going to cost you everything. Every single thing. But you're going to get me instead. So in order to continue believing, you must continue to follow. Because it is in the following that believing increases. I know you're struggling. I know it's hard. Look at me. Just keep going. Just keep following. Get up tomorrow morning, put your feet on the ground, praise God, and keep on following. Just keep on going. 
don't quit. Just keep going day by day by day by day. It's one step at a time. I know you're thinking you should be further away from the darkness that's plagued your life, but listen to me. Though you can't recognize the distance yet, if you'll just keep following, you'll start to realize that there's a lot of distance between you and that old darkness. Just get better at following. All right, real quick. 40 things. I ain't lying. 40. You better get ready. I'm going to speed up, but it's 40. 40 things that followers of Jesus do. It's in your notes. Roll with me. I'm not going to stop on every one of them, but if the Lord says to stop, I will. And if he says to go till 3 o'clock, I will. You're like, well, I'm glad you, you will. I, I don't will. <laughs> I'm joking. 40 things followers of Jesus do. Number one, followers come when Jesus calls. They accept power and authority given by Jesus. They go where he sins. They talk about the kingdom of God. They heal people. They depend exclusively on his resources and don't get sidetracked by their own needs. They follow Jesus' instructions. They talk to Jesus about what it's like to follow his lead. They go off with him to rest after serving. They come to him with ideas and questions. Followers of Jesus have conversations with him. They tell him what they have and what they don't have. They do what he says, even when they don't understand. They pray with him in private. They talk to him about how they see the world. They talk to him about how they see him. They express their belief in him. They keep quiet about things he shares with them when he asks them to. They listen when he talks about the future. Some of them will get away with him to pray. Some of the followers will see him in his glorified body. Some of them are enveloped in God's glory. Some of them are afraid of what they experience when they are with him. Some of them hear the voice of God. Some of them have dramatic spiritual experiences they don't like to talk about. Some of them will experience dramatic spiritual things, but will be asked to move on from it. Some of them will attempt to drive out demons and fail. By the way, this is from the Bible. Followers see Jesus get frustrated by perversion and unbelief. They step aside and watch Jesus heal people. They hear Jesus but don't understand. They're afraid to ask Jesus questions. Followers of Jesus argue among themselves. It's the Bible. They compete, they compete with each other for greatness. They try to stop people outside their group from doing things in the name of Jesus. They are admonished by Jesus when they try to stop people from doing things in his name. Some are sent ahead of Jesus to prepare the way for him. They ask Jesus for permission to be vengeful, though permission is always denied. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> they walk with him. 
They promise to follow Jesus wherever he goes without fully understanding the cost of that commitment. And they hear his call to follow, but tend to put conditions on obedience. That all came from Luke, one chapter. 40 things that believers do, that followers do. So why we struggle to believe? Because the truth is, is we struggle to follow. And I know you're here today, and there's many of you in this room, you're living under the lie that you're not following. But what if you are following and you just don't realize it? What if you took the first ten things I gave you and you evaluated your own life by those things with honesty, asking the Holy Spirit to show you? And what if you are following better than you think you are? And what if that encourages you to follow better? And what if following better encourages you to follow better? And what if following better encourages you to keep following even when things get dark, even when things get scary? chapters of Genesis, how can we let that same enemy who convinced Adam and Eve to fall, how can we let that same enemy convince us it costs too much to follow? It's not like we don't know his schemes. It's not like we don't know what he's after. What if following Jesus leads you away from the things that have been dying in your life? What if he leads you away from hurt, disappointment, and pain? What if your healing is found in your following? What if that dissatisfaction with life as you see it change with a couple of steps in Jesus' direction. Remember, you can't overcome what you don't identify. You can't identify what you're not willing to acknowledge. I'm going to tell you right now, honesty is your best friend right now. Honesty is your most valuable attribute right now. In this very moment, the Spirit of God is moving around this place. Honesty is what's needed right now. You need to be honest with you. Why are you laughing the same battles? Struggling the same struggles? Fighting the same old boring demons? 
same old pains, still living discouraged and defeated? Answer that question. Just bow your heads and close your eyes and we'll see what the Lord wants to do. Spirit of God, come and minister to every one of us today. me to lead us into repentance. Repentance begins with confession. And then it turns into a turning away from sin back to God. Disobedience, by the way, is sin. Denial is sin. So I'm not going to ask any leaders to come up and pray today. But I will open the altars for you. If you're not comfortable coming to the front and kneeling before the altars, then you can kneel right there where you're at. But let me just let me just tell you something. True repentance, I believe, in, a, in, a, in the context of this morning, happens on our knees. There has to be a physical sign to Jesus that Lord I'm, I'm, I'm posturing myself to acknowledge my struggle to acknowledge my weakness I don't want to stay this way so I'm going to open the altar and come and hash out whatever you want to hash out with Jesus let me encourage you to get brutally honest with him if it's fear call it fear if 
you're being selfish, call it selfishness. If it's laziness, call it laziness. saying something, I'm going to say it to you. Oh church, if you were following like I intend you to follow, there would not be enough buildings and units to house the people to celebrate me on this day. I say that not because I'm mad at you. I say that not because I'm disappointed in you. I say that because I believe in you and I believe more about you than you believe in yourself, says the Lord. I'm calling you out, church, into the city, into the marketplace. You're filled with my spirit. You're armed with my weapons. You've got a shield. You've got a sword. You've got my full armor on. I'm sending you to the dark places in the city and the surrounding areas to push back the enemy and his oppression and to open the skies to the light of Jesus. I'm calling you, church, to bring my light into this area If you will go, you will see. If you will go, you will see me in those moments, says the Lord. I always go to war with my people. I like to be on the front line, says the Lord. I'm not afraid of battle. Neither should you. I'm not afraid to take new ground. Neither should you. Oh, church, oh, church. If, 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 if you will go, I will go with you. you to experience me in a new way. I love the buildings. I love the church services. But I'm in the marketplace as well. And I love the lost and the hurting and the broken. So once again, if you were following me like I intend you to, there would not be enough buildings in Eunice to hold the people that would want to celebrate me today. So how about we get honest? How about you start trusting me? 
about you, let me show you. All I need from you is one step. Just one step, says the Lord. So, Father, right now, I stand before you. I, 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 I kneel before you, Lord. And I ask you to forgive me for being distracted. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for being selfish. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me for those times I didn't want to pay the price. For the times I enjoyed my comfort more than I wanted to experience the unknown. Oh God, forgive me. As the shepherd of this church, forgive me, Lord, for not stepping into territories and neighborhoods and opportunities that you've given me over the years. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for becoming narrow-minded and thinking only about this little congregation. Forgive me for not seeing the bigger picture. Lord, forgive me for the times that I, I enjoyed playing with the world and instead of following you. For the times I spent building my own world instead of building your kingdom. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for the times I thought I paid enough and I didn't need to pay anymore. Forgive me for the times that I quit following. I had an opinion about it because I didn't feel like it. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. honest, God. We've been a self-centered church. Self-focused. It's been all about us, Lord. The whole time you're leading us out, to a world that's struggling, a world that's hurting, a world that's hopeless and dark. And the whole time we, we possess the light. But we refuse to take that light into the dark world. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for being lazy. Forgive us for stopping when our feelings get hurt. Our things don't go our way. 
Forgive us, Lord, when we, we don't think it should go that way. Forgive us for disagreeing with the disagreement that leads to stopping and disobedience. Forgive us for yielding to the enemy when he stands against us, for walking in fear and unbelief. Oh God, forgive us. lost folks that you're trying to reach Lord and you want to do it with us you've given us gifts and influence and abilities and courage and boldness you filled us with your spirit we're not lacking anything except the willingness to go Holy Spirit, would you help us with that willingness? Lord, I want to see the lost get found. I want to see the witches get saved. The warlocks get found homosexuals get saved the confused find clarity the addicts get reached and set free once and for all Lord I want to see depression leave the city anxiety to walk away Lord I want to see life and light running through this city Lord, I see a river running down 190. It's the river of life. Oh God, would you come like a flood? Would you come and awaken us, Lord? Would you revive us, Father? Not that we could dance, not that we could celebrate better, but that, Lord, we would go out into a city and take ground for the kingdom that we belong to. God, we would see poverty leave our city, prejudice leave our city, pride leave our city. We would see life come. We would see unity come. The kind of unity that commands a blessing. That God, denominational walls would fall. We would all just be satisfied belonging to the Capital C Church. Though we may worship in different buildings with different names, we all belong to the Capital C Church. We're your body, Lord. I see joy coming through this city. I prophesy freedom over this city. I prophesy healing over this city. I decree by the Spirit of God that liberty is coming in the name of Jesus. 
I decree that poverty is leaving in the name of Jesus. I decree that abuse stops in the name of Jesus. Pedophilia stops in the name of Jesus. I decree life and liberty over this city and the surrounding cities. I decree the Spirit of the Lord moves into every crack and crevice of this city. And with it come freedom and joy and peace. I decree peace, the peace that passes all understanding. I decree life. Those that are bound by poverty would find life. I decree generational curses are broken in the name of Jesus. I decree that the strong man is bound in the name of Jesus. And I decree that the love of God would flow into the places that seem so dark and so loveless. That we would literally watch the love of God bring life to people. that broken bones are mended broken hearts are mended broken relationships are restored I decree generational blessings over this region oh spirit of God come and move decree that men will take their rightful place not like a dictator but like Jesus in the home in the workplace and in the community and I decree praise and worship would be what we're known for drive into this region, they would just sense this praise and this worship. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this moment. land, Lord. This is your region. We're your people. Come fill us fresh and new. Revive us today. Would you put your yoke upon our necks, Lord? 